Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. On this episode of The Commercial Break. Hello, cats and kittens. Welcome back to The Commercial Break and best to you and all that shit. I am still stuck, quarantined in this house with literal lunatics and a dog whose voice box should be removed. But I can't do that until I can actually get to the veterinarian without spreading this lowly disease all over the place. While lockdowns and masks might be a thing of the past, I begrudgingly, under protest, am in quarantine for the safety of others. So in lieu of new content, which I had hoped to put out today, I'm going to rerun my favorite episode from season number four. That is our interview with Miss Felicia Day. If you know, you know. Felicia Day is a prolific artist, web series, gamer girl, movies, television, and now she has a audio series out on Amazon's Audible. She's truly a renaissance woman, and we hit it off from the moment she jumped on camera. Chrissy and I will be back tomorrow with fresh episodes, but until then, send something to my house. Groceries, games, sex robot. You know how sometimes you drink yourself sober? I think I'm bored beyond the point of no return. And it's not easy to be bored when there's 26 people in your house, 15 of which are under the age of five. But I won't bore you any longer. Let's get to Felicia Day, my favorite episode from season number four. And we'll get back with you tomorrow. Fresh episodes. Chrissy, back in studio. Can't wait. Season number five starts next Tuesday. Big, exciting announcement. And no, Frankie B's not coming on the show. Stop texting me. I don't want to blow our cover just yet. Best to you. I hope you're having a wonderful new year. Here's Felicia Day and goodbye. The next episode of The Commercial Break starts now. Hey, Felicia. And thank you. Thank you for clapping. <laughs> I was clapping. I don't know. I was like, are we syncing our audio? Yes, or are we that's exactly what we're doing. She got it. She knew it. 
She's in the biz. She's in the biz. She is in the biz. <laughs> I have one overarching question for you, right off of the okay. bat. How in the St. Captain Crunch do you do all the things that you do and still have time to be a parent? Because I, if I take a shower in the morning, I feel extraordinarily accomplished. And you are... In so many television shows, you have two podcasts. You have the the third eye on Audible. You have so much stuff that you're doing. How do you find the time to accomplish it all? You're making us the rest of our of the rest of us look. I terrible. know. Congratulations to you, ma'am. Thank you. Well, I mean, I will say that um, first of all, I don't have dozens of children like you. That's right? true. Um, five to so, ten. Yeah, five sometimes to ten six children. to twelve. Depends on what day it is. <laughs> I have to say, ever since I had a kid, I had to readjust my life. I, a lot of the bulk of the, wow, she does everything, was done before I had a kid. She's yeah. six years old now. And I had to really be ruthless uh, about my schedule and what I can con- concentrate on. And I tried to do it still, and then I just drove myself wa- you know, crazy. And then I was like, girl, you got to get the machete out and just cut, <laughs> cut it out. Cut it out. I, I like this. Um, I make an analogy about having a kid. Is like you know when you go on Amazon and you buy like a, a, a chair or a couch. Yeah. And then it's you order it and then it comes and it's like eight times as big as you thought. It was. <laughs> that's right. And so it's like what I got to get rid of everything Way. around this couch. Yes. Yeah. So that's my analogy to parenthood. I tell Chrissy all the time. I said when I, we had our first child, I already felt tired. Like I was doing a lot when I wasn't doing a lot at all, actually. And then there's this mm-hmm. there's this pool of energy that somehow. Uh, I pull from with the first child and then the second child, then the third child, then the 12th child. It's like, I don't know. There's there's somehow there's this energy to keep going, but the time, yeah, Yeah. but the time doesn't, I don't get more hours in the day. And so I just look at your resume and I am so extraordinarily impressed at you as a human being and how much you've accomplished. And I want to get into a little bit. Oh yeah. Thank you. You're born in Huntsville, Alabama, which is not too far off the road from Mm -hmm. from where I was excited to hear you got y'all were in uh, Atlanta. I can take Google without people going, oh. (laughs) (laughs) They've got a big space program over there too. Oh yeah, I went to space camp. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I bet you went to space camp also. uh, I never got to go, but (gasps) my grandfather was a nuclear physicist, so he worked at Lockheed. He also worked for the government. And then my uncle actually helped design, you know, the the arm on the space. Station. Yeah, so, yeah, no I way. got a lot of scientists in my family. Oh my yeah, so it's in your cranks. DNA. Yeah, she comes from a line of overachievers, making the rest of us look bad. <laughs> you, you're born in Huntsville, but you were homeschooled, right, for most of the from for most of your childhood. I was. My dad was in the. My, I come from military family, so my dad's family. He, uh, my dad's dad was worked on um, uh, Redstone Arsenal. He was like, I think, a lieutenant colonel or something like that, or full colonel. And so my dad was in the military. He enro- uh, enlisted in order to get his medical degree done. And uh-huh. So we moved around everywhere. We lived a lot in Mississippi and uh, all the all around the South, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louisiana, um, everywhere. And so uh, that's how I kind of became homeschooled because we would move around so much. My mom was just like, well, I don't want to keep enrolling you in school. Right. So let's, just, let's just stay in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I've, I've got this. <laughs> Did you enjoy homeschooling? But there, uh, but I read. You're like the opposite of somebody, by the way, that I feel like is the typical homeschool stereotype. Well, <laughs> they're so oh, outgoing like, and so beautiful and have done oh, so much. <laughs> it is uh it is it has been a monumental uh it has been a monumental effort for me and a lot of therapy to get yeah. outgoing. <laughs> I would rather go. be in my house any day of the week. <laughs> well I was not homeschooled and I'll tell you what I'm keeping my therapist's mortgage paid for the last <laughs> six months. So. <laughs> but you you went to one year of like a did you go to a private school? Uh, one year, like the second grade? I did. 
Yeah, it was first grade. I went to preschool and a little bit of kindergarten and half of uh, first grade. And then my mom pulled me out because it was like, she sent me to this super religious school. And they, this is a true story. They actually had chapel every day, which, you know, it's fine. And it was a really, I guess, very reputable school in Huntsville. But then one day in chapel, I remember this woman, Miss Geraldine, held up a bunch of $20 bills and just burned them and what? told me that it was the devil's uh, fuel was was money. money. And we were so poor. That my mom was like, no, I'm never, I'm never sending you back. <laughs> yeah, not going back there. <laughs> so she burned the twenty dollar bills in a almost a protestation to one to first graders I that money was. The <laughs> I te- I, this is a hundred percent happened, and as a, a kid who only got her stuff from Goodwill, I was like, no, no give it to me. Yeah. We need money. I mean, even as a five year old, I was like, no, that money is precious. I need it for my mom. Yeah. So yeah, she just pulled me out. She was like, this is not happening, and. We just never went back, and I'm not saying that it was the most thorough education, but I turned out fine-ish. I would say so. Well, I think you're yeah, okay. I had to had something had to have gone right for the for you to become you know graduate at what 16. Uh, you gra- no she, she uh, I read that you graduated of uh, college at 19 years old. You went to you went to college at 16. Yeah, I went to college at 16. It was tw- I was 20 when I graduated, and then I just I got a math and a music performance degree oh because I was God. so wow. bored at home. I would just practice my violin all day. And so, because now I'm getting a southern accent, y'all. Yeah, well, come just on come with on it. down. The water's come on warm. With it. Yeah, I'm from Chicago, so I mean, you're I, from Chicago. I am, but I've been here for almost 30 years, so it's not like I just okay. fell off the turnip truck. I from think Chicago. mine may be a little bit more. Yeah, you, she's a little bit more southern than I am. Yeah, yours is pretty. You're not like Madonna, who just moves to England and right. is still <laughs> Madonna can be quite and, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, you know, let you be you. I'm, I'm not going to judge anybody if nobody's being harmed. Just do what you need. Fair to do, enough. Madonna, True. Okay? Fair With enough. Your face or your voice. Um, yeah. So I, I forget what you asked me. You're too delightful. I asked you. You graduated. You graduated 20 years old. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but because my my dad was like, you can't be an actor in Hollywood until you get a quote unquote real degree. So I was like, I'll show you. And I got my math degree and my violin degree. And I was like on a bus to Los Angeles to be an actor. No reason why. I still can't figure <laughs> just, it out. <laughs> just on a whim. And so you went to UT in Austin? Mm-hmm. UT Austin. Okay, yeah. yeah. And it was... Uh, it was a big, that's a big college. It's like 50,000. Oh, yeah. People. That's a huge Definitely. school. Definitely. Yeah. So that's like a little a, different. That's got to be a culture shock. But let me tell the listeners that she went to University of Austin in Texas, but got accepted to Juilliard. So you are a homeschooled young lady, went to one year of, of uh, what they would call regular <laughs> classroom education, and you got accepted to Juilliard and University of Texas Austin. Like, how? I just, my mind is blown. It's it's complicated it to understand. It was only because I was bored. I'm telling you, man, I had hours a day. Kids, they go to school, they learn maybe an hour and a half, and then they're just kind of housed mm-hmm. there, okay? Yep. Like, that's fine. It's what we need in this world. It's not, I don't know if it's, so I was just home all day, and I had no friends, so what am I going to do? I'm going to play video games, and I'm going to play the violin, so... I don't know. I think it was just a question of like, you got time, you got to fill it up. It's the opposite of my life now. I got no time, time. as a parent and somebody who has a try to have a career. And then as a kid, I'm just like, do, do, do. What am I going to do today? Watch Lost in Space and play my violin. That's it. Do nice. you have any kind of like regular interactions with children when you're homeschooled? I'm just so fascinated to understand how you ended up being so well-rounded. Did you like... I, I'm not well-rounded. I'll tell you that. I mean, it's a complete artifice. I'll right. tell you that right now. Well, you are an actress. Like, yeah. Yes, I'm an actor. I can act like I, I'm socially adept. I am not. <laughs> um, you know, it was really... I, 
I contemplated homeschooling my kid because I do feel like there's some awesome things like, you know, that I was able to get from that experience. Like I love learning outside of grades. I just like reading. I love learning things. I'm very good at a bunch of different extracurricular. I I was a really great dancer. I was a good, you know, I did theater. I did my violin. I did karate. I did a lot of, basically my life was just extracurriculars. So I have huge gaps when it comes to like geology or getting along with other people. But at the same time, I know a lot of really good stuff. So I did contemplate it. And I think if you're conscientious and you create sort of a social world for your kid, homeschooling could be really, and you have the bandwidth, homeschooling would be awesome. But my mom didn't, you know, I think she could have made more efforts in the social side. And so we didn't really have a lot of interaction with other kids outside of lessons. Mm -hmm. So that's how I socialized, kind of in the, in the back room between ballet classes. So you got a little bit of a taste of what it was like to be out there in the real world. But for the most part, you insulated and that little brain of yours just exploded because you were obviously super smart and accomplished even at a young age because you're going to college at 16. What is it like going to college at 16 years old? I mean, you were a total fish out of water. Nobody would date me. Legally, they couldn't. <laughs> so there's true. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I was a forbo- I was forbidden. People were like, ah! Yeah, they were getting away from me like a cross and a vampire. <laughs> I didn't even think about this. I know. You're right. It's completely illegal to, to date that girl who just <laughs> showed even, up at college. Don't even associate with me. <laughs> wow. Did you date anybody in college? Like, did you have any experiences? Uh, not many. Well, I had to wait several years. Yeah, and then I did. I did date a percussionist because I thought the way he played the marimba was really hot. Um, But that was it. It was a very (laughs) yeah. Percussionists are cool. Like they are are. classical music. Percussionists can play a lot of things, but drummers in general just hot, right? Yeah, Yeah, they are. I have to agree with you. I have to agree that the drummers are hot. I was in band all all of my education. Also, I played saxophone. Third chair saxophone. I'm really proud of it because there was a fourth (laughs) chair, so I beat somebody (laughs) out. Um, but fucking Russell. Russell always got first chair. Russell. Damn Russell. Damn um, it. Damn Russell. But those drummers. What's Russell doing now? I know, I was going to say. You, you, <laughs> Russell still plays the saxophone, where I, I haven't had a saxophone in 10 years. Russell's still playing the saxophone, and he's so good at it, and I, I wish I would have stuck with it, but I didn't. But I will tell you this, is that even with a saxophone in my hand, no, no girl paid attention to us. They paid attention no. to the drummers, because mm-hmm. the drummers had longer yeah. hair, and they were sexy, and they were cool, and they could play the drums really good. I don't know what it is about drummers. I, sh- I should tell my they, kids this. Get into percussion. Yeah. That's where the they action's got the at. Beat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not like, I, for some reason, it's way hotter than a guy pulling out an acoustic guitar at a party. That's like, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen, in my opinion, at a party. Like, just get away from me, sir, with yes. your guitar. <laughs> Felicia. I will not be seduced here, sir. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Felicia, yeah. I have to tell you this story. So I'm on Instagram the other day, and I've got this guy that I was friends with once. It's like one of those people that you meet, and for like six months, you guys go out and have a beer occasionally, but then you never talk to him again. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is on my Instagram and he is throwing a house party for Christmas. And there's probably, I don't know, let's say 25 people. It all looks very lovely. It's a very, rather adult affair. Everyone's drinking wine. And, but he posts in this story, then the last uh, <laughs> reel in the story is him sitting on the couch while everyone's gathered around playing acoustic guitar, a terrible oh, cover no. of a terrible song. Oh. And the, whoever's doing the camera pans around to the faces and they're oh, all... Yeah, Wonderwall. I think it was Wonderwall. 
<laughs> but you oh, see, God. You put them around to their faces, girl. and everyone's just desperately looking for it out. They're all like, just, are they serving more cheese? Is there more cheese? Because I'm going to go over there and eat it. And I thought to myself, I was that idiot for a long time. I pulled out the acoustic guitar. Wait, it, you, got the, you got out your saxophone at a party? No wonder you didn't get a date. I learned how to play I guitar just as terribly as I learned how to play saxophone. Self-taught. So occasionally. Oh, gotcha. Self-taught. 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 Which means I know three songs that I play. In the, and then I put it down and I say, that's enough for now, everybody. And they thank me. <laughs> um, so when you go to, when you graduate uh, with this dual degree in math and music, did you take music theory, by the way? Oh, yeah, all oh, of it. God, I took a, all, ear training, all, you know, you history, all music history. Yeah, I had to do all of it. It was fun. I mean, some of it was on. It was wonderful. I just didn't really see that I was going to be. I, I did a lot of like gig playing as well to pay. You know, I actually mm-hmm. it was a very good job. I would play lots of like church services and weddings, and but that's why we'll never have a wedding because I've seen the the, the dark <laughs> right. employee side of a wedding. I'm like never. This never. Is, it's a horror show. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know. I, I didn't think. Hey, this is it. Yeah. I'm going to do the same thing I was doing. I was in the symphony in Austin. I was playing all these gigs. I was making a good living. I was like, what more is there? And so I needed to jump in a wild, blind pool to see what would happen. And it was, you know, traumatic <laughs> and interesting. <laughs> when you get on the bus, do you like literally get on a bus and go to L.A.? Or you pick no, up your stuff and go? No, I volunteered. No, no, no. I've never been on a bus. Uh, no, <laughs> <just> <laughs> well, you didn't go to school, so you, do, you never got on a bus. School, exactly. <laughs> I uh, I volunteered for a lot of film festivals while I was in Austin. If, if you know this about Austin, they do mm-hmm. a lot of indie film. Yep, so I was sure. like a volunteer for South by Southwest and Austin Film Festival and all that stuff. So when I moved to L.A., I didn't take a bus. I knew a lot of people, at least. So I did have um, sort of a, a network of people I knew who helped me. And I had saved up all my money from playing the violin because I, I lived at home the whole time, which is so Sad, but at the same time, I did have a nice nest egg to get me at least a year in. Yeah, you're um, also 16 years old. So, I mean, where well, else I was would you be? 20. 20 uh, oh, yeah. 20 when yeah. you graduated. Yeah. yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when you moved Barely to, legal. When you get to LA, so you, you like get into this network of people that you already knew from the film festivals in Austin and South by Southwest. And so you go there, and what, like, how do you get into the business? You just, what's that decision? You know, what's that first um, audition like? You, uh, it was a Backstage West. And backstage West was like a paper that used to be printed, and it had like non-union jobs in there. And I did uh-huh. a bunch of student films with no dialogue. I did um, auditions where I'd go, and they'd ask me to take my clothes off just for the character. Oh, and right. so I had to go through. Yeah. And then I, uh, I, it was like two years before I even got a, a, the legitimate agent. So it was very hard for me. And yeah. as somebody who like was a 4.0 student and like always like worked you know, I practiced eight hours a day on the violin. I was like, if I just practice more, I'll get ahead. And that is not how Hollywood works. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I can yeah. imagine. So when you have 4.0, you're highly accomplished. You're playing eight hours a day. Do you, is it like this a, a recurring theme in your life? Like I have to win. I have to get the 4.0. I have to get oh, the yeah. A. I have to be the best in the violin. Is this, is this a reoccurring theme in your life? And when exactly do you break? <laughs> because at some point... I broke. No, it's true. I did. And like when I look back, um, I even wrote, I wrote an autobiography called You're Never Weird on the Internet Almost. And I there's saw one, that. We one read part. it. Yeah. yeah. It's really, you know, it's really funny if you it's like good. a geeky girl. It's very good. Um, and if there's one uh, story I told where one of the bath professors was like, Felicia, if you just got a B, your life would be so much better. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> 
<laughs> I think back on that moment, I was like, yeah, it would have made my life better because like the whole for this this false sort of like front I needed to put put up for everybody of being perfect and being the best. Like it's it is you're right. It's just something ready to break. It is. And um, I definitely did break myself later when I started a company and I just was making like 40 hours of video a month that it was just insane. And, you know, at a certain point, you've got to care for yourself mm-hmm. and not just worry about your outsides. And I, I broke and that was probably when I started becoming a functional human or at least pretended. <laughs> yeah, I see some of my kids, they get anxious sometimes when they don't do something right or they can't get something. And I'm always just quick to remind them that you're perfectly imperfect. Like no one's going to get it right 100% of the time. And there's there are, in my mind, there are huge lessons in failure. And from a guy who's failed more Agreed. often than he's succeeded, I understand that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's very true. My biggest life, life, life lessons come from uh, failure. Now, I was never a 4.0 student. Uh, that's not to say I didn't try, but I was never a 4.0 student. But do you kind of wish you had had that B in that class so that it would have like... 100%. Yeah, it may have. 100%. I wish I had been a total slacker, <laughs> just like <laughs> doing like what, whatever it is in a closet you need to be doing as a total person who isn't applying themselves I uh, 100% do that. And like for my daughter, like I think you're that's a wonderful thing to to give as a parent a, a mindset of growth, personal growth versus like trying to achieve for other people. Yeah. And when she wants to drop out of a lesson, I'm like, okay, great. And yeah. I know that she'll probably send me one day like, yeah, you tried it. If mm-hmm. it's not for you, I'm not going to make this you. And also like if she tends to be something really good at something, I'm not going to be like, great, now you're a violinist, go! You know, that's (laughs) equally as bad. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think when you teach, as a person, when you put so much internal pressure on yourself to accomplish someone, what some people might call the pursuit of perfection, you're just sowing the seeds of your own disappointment, right? There's no such thing as perfect 99% of the time in this world. And, and, and so I think it's just such an important lesson to learn about failure. But one that I did not learn myself until I started the commercial break. And then I was like, it just can't be perfect. It just can't be perfect. I can't put out these many episodes and be perfect every time. I have to give myself some grace here, some grace and some yeah. space. This episode is sponsored in part by Claritin. Do you hear that? Do you hear that absolutely irritating voice that I have right now and all the sinus congestion? Twice a year, we call that the Atlanta flu. That's because those of us who suffer from seasonal allergies can really find it quite miserable during the spring and during the fall. The nasal congestion that can cause pounding headaches, the irritating throat drainage, the coughing. Sometimes I can't taste my food and it can really make some of my days unbearable. Luckily, for those of us who do live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Claritin D, quite frankly, changed the allergy game for me. I've been taking it for a number of years, and it's got fast symptom relief that starts working on my allergies and nasal congestion in as little as 30 minutes. The double-action combination of prescription-strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. All of those symptoms are familiar to any seasonal allergy sufferer, and I just love this product. It's actually kind of serendipitous that I am suffering from allergies today. Just took my Claritin D, and I quite frankly look forward to the relief, and so I don't sound like a duck. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at your pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Please use as directed, and we want to thank Claritin for being a sponsor of the commercial break and a reliever of Brian's allergy. Symptoms. Thanks, Claritin.
Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. When you got to Hollywood, did you, uh, originally you were a commercial actor, like you were doing commercial uh, commercials? I did a lot of commercials. If you look on YouTube, you can see me eating Cheetos and selling Starburst and all, you know, like 20 different products. And I was so blessed because I I, I tended to do really well in those situations. Yeah. Um, and I got, I paid my bills, but I was super unfulfilled. And, and I would, I had such an anxiety problem that when I got really close to anything like legitimate and theatrical, not that commercials aren't legitimate, but like anything like you know, yeah, uh, TV it. show wise. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I would I would just choke. I would be so nervous that I could not control myself because again, I had this idea that I needed to be good for everybody else and not mess up. And you're totally right. Like um, you grow as a person and being per- a perfectionist is more like I need to be stuck in who I am right now and mm. I need to hold it with all my might. Whereas if you make mistakes, you know, you push yourself to mm-hmm. places that you never would have thought you'd be. And so I wish I could have just told myself that or given myself some Xanax. Either way, <laughs> right? That always helps. Felicia, I think that therapist is working. I think that therapist yeah. is working. But you, let me ask you something about commercial work because I've always been curious about this, but never talked to anybody that did like a Cheetos commercial. I talked to some people that oh, have yeah. done like the local, you know, Bob. me, me, yeah. for instance, promoting the Chrissy. real estate channel on some cable network. Chrissy used to do infomercials about retirement villages. Uh, Local like public yeah. access station. It's crazy. Oh, Felicia. can I see that on YouTube? I'll send a clip. Yeah, we will, I'll send we'll a clip. Please yeah. do. Um, <laughs> so, besides doing you know Bob Hammock's uh, local Ford dealership type of commercials, when you do those it, those national commercials, there's good money in that, isn't there? Like you get paid a pretty good chunk of change to do those commercials. 
You used to. I will say that um, I know. I don't know if you guys were familiar that we just had a big strike. Oh, that was yeah, a theatrical TV yes. movie strike. But the same thing happened with commercials, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, the result of the commercial strike several years ago made a lot of them go non-union. So uh. like, um, and a lot of them are not playing on network, and like, of course, streaming and cable don't pay as much. So unless you got one of those Super Bowl ads, yeah, you're not making a good living. Like back in the day, I would do two commercials, and I pretty much have my bills at least, you know, my sustenance paid. And anything else I got was kind of gravy. Mm-hmm. And that was like, you can't really do that nowadays. Unfortunately, you you do a lot and then you'll get your day rate and maybe a little tiny bit of residuals, but you won't get those big paydays that people used to get, which is, you know, it's fr- frankly sad. It's really hard sure. to be a middle-class actor now. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one of the examples. But, you know, it is it was a good living. It kept me in the business because I think I would have quit and gone back to violin if I couldn't have paid my bills at all for years. It took me to get into a place where I could get TV work. Mm-hmm. Do you think you would be, you would feel fulfilled as a violinist? Like, do you ever look back on that and go, man, I'd love to be sitting in a chair somewhere, you know, playing in front of a couple thousand people uh, as a violinist? Um, you know, I, again, I know what my life would have been like. I yeah. would have t- had to teach. I would have done my weddings and church, you know, and Easter. And then I would have been in the symphony and then maybe done some cool like gig work, session work. And that would have been it. And, um, yeah, I think if you look at my resume, you'll see a ton of stuff. And yeah. earlier, you're like, how do you do it? I was like, I just change my mind every time I do something. <laughs> so I'm the same way. I, uh, yeah, I think yeah, we're I a lot like bored. that, too. I'm just yeah. like, I don't want to do what I did before. And I just jump into I want to see what will happen. And that's why I did this, you know, Audible project. And then I'm doing a stage play next year. And it's like, can you just settle on something, Felicia? <laughs> no, I absolutely can't. Yeah, tell us about your Audible project. Yeah, tell us a little bit about the Audible project. Yeah, so the Audible Project is called Third Eye. It's a fantasy comedy adventure, and it's kind of like a TV show for your ears. Yeah. So it's like seven hours of a TV show, but it's only audio. And it stars me and Neil Gaiman and Will Wheaton and Sean Astin wow. and all these amazing people. Weird Al does a cameo for me. Nice. No way. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. And it's about a failed chosen one who kind of gets her life blown up by this girl who comes in and admires her for for the first time in her life because she actually failed her big battle with the big bad guy and life has been crap for all the supernatural creatures since. So it's kind of like if Harry Potter choked, what would happen 10 years later? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And it's been very successful, by the way. And you can catch it, just uh, let me tell the listeners, you can catch this exclusively on Audible, by the way, and from Amazon. Yeah, audible.com slash third eye. You can download it. And yeah, it uh, it was a TV show that I originally pitched that nobody wanted to buy. Oh, really? I loved it so much. And I, I love that you're talking about the perfectionist syndrome because this show is kind of about that. Like, it's about a woman who fails, who was supposed to be the chosen one, and she chokes. And like, how do you live with yourself as a perfectionist who let everyone down? And that's kind of like when I broke, quote unquote, yeah. uh, after overworking, I... I've experienced that. I was like, I'm a failure. I, nobody wants to be around me. And I kind of channeled that into the show and, again, got some free therapy out of it. <laughs> how, That's amazing. How, how long do that have free therapy? Chrissy, we've had like 500 hours of free therapy right here at the commercial break. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, I think we win just because we put out so much content, if I'm being really honest with you. <laughs> like we just hit, we, if you can't get away from us. When you, um, when you start a project like this, how long did it take you to write what eventually became seven hours of audio fantasy? I know that must be extremely difficult. It must be a, it take a yeah. long time. Well, if you'll look at my resume, you'll notice that I came from short-form videos. Yep. So I created one of the very first web uh, scripted web series. The Guild. It was just when YouTube started. It was called The Guild. It was, it was awesome. Gamers. It's awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, and 
Thank you. Uh, and so basically, this is the opposite of that. So I had the privilege of g- closing my contract right before COVID started. And I had three years to basically write this thing. And it almost took that long wow. to get through all the revisions and recording sure. and all of that. So yeah, it was a different process for me, but it actually gave me confidence to kind of work for myself versus other people. And that really was a lesson that I hope I'll take to the grave. You That's know, a just, great feeling. Yeah. When you sh- you shop this around to like to all the TV networks and they just all kind of were like, not interested, not interested, not interested. And at some point you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to do this, this regardless. Yeah. yeah. Doing this. <laughs> Well, yeah, it was kind of like that, except there was a couple years of depression right. between those <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Hollywood is like you're a shoe salesman and you're going to every door knocking and say, hey, do you like my shoes? And, you know, nobody wants your shoes. Generally, nobody wants your shoes. And really, you should have the resilience to, like, put those shoes away and get another pair out and go knock on the door. Do you like these shoes? And that is... That is really the the Hollywood life. Unfortunately, I love these shoes so much that I just kind of put them in a closet and I put myself in the closet and I stared at them for two years <laughs> and cried. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it must feel good that people are enjoying it, that people like it, that it's, you know, that that it's out there and you manifested this on your own. I mean, it must just feel super great that you took this places, people poo-pooed it, but you said, hey, I'm going to go do this anyway. And it became a success. It's the ultimate yeah. F you to the people who said yeah, no. Yeah, it is. And yeah. congratulations to you. Thank you. My, my career is mostly uh, based on spite. So <laughs> <if you told laughs> I love that. <laughs> like, you can't tell me what to Take do. That. I'll just get on... A tenth of the budget, sir. That's right. We have so much in common. You were saying that being in Hollywood is like being a uh, door-to-door shoe salesman. Podcasting is like being a door-to-door vacuum sales vacuum (laughs) cleaner salesperson. No one wants your vacuum cleaner. When you what you did the one of the things that when I'm looking over your life and I'm reading about you and we're doing research about you, one of the things that hits me is that you and I are of similar age. And me being a little bit older than you, by the way, and you look much better than I do. Yeah. But uh, you—it's all—it's all Hollywood. It's a Hollywood. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Send me your makeup artist. Yeah, yeah, really. My dad. Well, here's the irony. My dad's a plastic surgeon. What? But he just retired, so now I, all the work I need done, I can't get done oh. for free. And I'm like, Dad, wait—you're not good timing. I know your dad cannot even hook you up with a little bit of Botox here and there. <laughs> nope, illegal. And he's—you know—he's he was in the military. He's like, nope, sorry. Very I got He's very black and white. Yeah. I don't know. Let me get you. Let me get to your dad. We'll have a few drinks and I'll see if he can just cut me up a little bit. Put some syringe in his hand. Yeah. Get in there, sir. I'm losing my butt. Can you put some things in there to stuff it up? The older I get, the less butt I get. Um, One of the things that I recognize about the, the, the parody in our life, or really not the parody in our life, is that we were born no internet. We come into adolescence. And some form of internet is coming, right? Emails and dial-up and AOL and all this other stuff. Yeah. You really embrace this from the get. You're like, you are one of the first web series on YouTube. You're there. You're in it. You're embracing it. And that really, I think, um, tells a story about how you just had the foresight to understand that this platform called collectively the internet could be a great place for a creative outlet. Did you... Am I reading that right? Were you like from the beginning, you were like, oh my gosh, this is a great way that I can, you know, get out there and no. do things. No, I okay, mean, great. <laughs> you must admire me more than I do uh, myself. So, but no, 
I mean, listen, I let me let me repeat. I was locked in a house with a computer and a violin. Yeah, okay. So that was my childhood. And actually, my grandfather, being a nuclear physicist, used the early internet because mm. it was primarily sure, for scientists. So right. yeah. he gave us a computer, and I used like early, early internet, like CompuServe and all mm-hmm. these yes. services that went bankrupt before the internet started. So yes, you're right. I was way before the times there. But like when I wrote The Guild, I wrote that as a television show too. And nobody wanted to do it because they didn't understand that people could play games together online at that time. It was like 2006 or seven. Yeah. And so when my friend who had done some sketch comedy was like, hey, we could do little videos and upload them. I was like, I'm desperate because I've been rejected so much by Hollywood. Let's just do this. And the minute I got comments on a video and I got like a hold of fans who actually enjoyed my work, I was (sighs) like, oh, oh, I could do this myself and people enjoy it. I'm not making money, but I... Love it. And it was the fulfillment that I needed in my life that I, I didn't have anywhere else. And we are living in a beautiful time when people can do that. They can make a podcast. They can make a video. They can make anything they want, a book, and they can, uh, you know, Get own direct. the release of it. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. I totally agree with you. I, I mean, if, if it wasn't for the RSS feed, that's Chrissy and I would <laughs> still be two unknown human beings knocking around somewhere. Um, and the one, I do think the beautiful thing about the day and age that we're in now is that no matter what you're into, no matter who you are, no matter what message you have to deliver, good, bad, or indifferent, creativity knows no bounds, and you will find mm-hmm. the audience, the, or the audience will find you if you keep at it and you know where to, you know, serve up the the goods, so to speak. And I yeah, think you're I just. Mean, I think yeah. Go ahead. Though I'm just saying, I mean, listen, there's a lot of people, people poo-poo TikTok and, and podcasts, but there are people talking about things that mainstream Hollywood would never be okay with. Like, sure. I'm, t- I'm looking on TikTok and people are like animating, you know, stuffed uh, uh, taxidermy mice. And I'm like, <laughs> I want to watch more of this. Yeah. Nobody in Hollywood would say go with it, but it's just beautiful. <laughs> and talking about like women's issues, like I saw, you know, there's a huge uh, underground thing about menopause and like women who have no voice in mainstream uh, media. They they're huge on TikTok because people are like, "Hey, no one's talking about that." Yeah, mm-hmm. I want to go here. I want to learn about. It. I want to learn about the Roman Roman history. I want to learn about you know uh, the bird health. You know, everything you can get um, serves people's interests, and people have. People are just so much more interesting than Hollywood lets them be. Yeah. And I understand you had to appeal to a mass audience, but that's not the world anymore. And that's mm-hmm. what I love about the, the time we're living in. Yeah. I mean, I think Hollywood has its place, right? It's, it, it's, it is there to serve the mass audience, mass entertainment and mm-hmm. good. But really what sits under that and even under that, the sub subcultures are b- people who are finding and becoming more themselves by connecting with other people who enjoy the similar things that they do or the creative tastes or their opinions or whatever it is. I mean, there's something to be said, I think also for kind of living in a echo chamber, so to speak, but that's a whole different conversation. But yeah, I, well, yeah, that's exactly, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're right. There's good and bad. There's good and bad. But <laughs> It's like everything in life, right? There's good and bad, and you just have to kind of roll with the punches. But it does allow, like, you know, the RSS feed allows us to find an audience. Otherwise, we would have never known had we start trying to— the world would be poor for it. <laughs> oh, that's very sweet. And that's the first time anybody said anything nice about the commercial break. Wrap that up. Interview's over. Let's just come here and talk again, Felicia, and yeah. just pump each other up. Yeah, we'll just pump each I other up. I love this. We'll call each other every Monday <laughs> yes. morning when I'm ready to Get knock my I'm here for you, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Colin from Atlanta. <laughs> when, um, let me ask you uh, about when you start to get into TV, because I think this is probably 
where most people will know you from. What do you think is your, like, you? What do you consider your big breakout role? After the commercials and you're starting to get into some television roles, what do you think is the thing that I go, oh, wow, I really i am accomplished now. Like, I have a, a good credit yeah. for my name. It was, uh, I did a movie called Bring It On Again, and yeah. then I got a, a role named uh, Buffy. And oh. so oh, I think it was yeah. Buffy because I had never been, like, recurring on anything. I ended up doing seven or eight episodes in the last season of that show. And that was really, I felt a belonging mm. on a show. I felt like, even though every every week we get a new script, right? And this yeah. is when they actually dropped off paper scripts. This is long right. ago. Now it's just email. And you, you like, paper? open the door. What's that? You hear it. <laughs> exactly. Hurry. And you literally flip to the back page to see if you got killed or not. Yeah. So, yeah. like, there was no job security <laughs> because it was a sci-fi show. But at the end of the day, like, I got to stick around until the end of this. And, and I got to see how being on a show really creates a family and – you know, it's probably dysfunctional, whatever. But at the end of the day, I, I felt like I found a place where I belonged, especially in the nerd and sci-fi world. Because as you'll see behind me, I have board games and comics and video game things. I love those interests. Those are my interests and my hobbies and my passions. And I made my whole career around them because that's who I am. You are verified nerd, never- girl. You are verified yeah. nerd, and I love it. That's I great. love every yeah. minute of it. Yeah, <laughs> I love all that stuff, too. So. Yeah, and it's hard to say that you love that stuff, especially as a woman. And so, like, Mm -hmm. I was just like, I've found my niche, man. Let's just do it. Well, my dad's a huge nerd, and so that just, I think, made me want to. Yeah, so was mine. He's an engineer, went to Georgia Tech, and just, we had computers and all of the, I mean, your dad's the same way, Brian. I know we talk about. My dad had (laughs) the first uh, desktop computer ever. And what he did (gasps) was he put a desktop in his office. At, he worked in the meat packing plant in Chicago, which a lot of people did. It's a huge, you know, meat packing town. And so he puts a computer there and he puts a computer here at the house and he connects them via telephone line. So one of those old modems where you would stick yeah. the phone on the modem uh-huh. and it was making uh-huh, sounds uh-huh. back and forth, right? And so my dad, I know. Like weird science. And then that damn printer, <laughs> that damn printer. So my dad would like go home at night and he would finish his work at the computer and then it would be at his computer the next day. So it was like an early form of the internet, right? He was communicating wow. and he set this all up himself. He is nerd to the mm-hmm. core. Um, and, and he's really like, um, you know, a technology first kind of person when he finds out about some new technology and he thinks it's interesting. He really gets himself into it. So we grew up around that culture. Um, but I was one of those guys, like when the internet came along, honestly, I swear to God, I was like, internet's a fad. It's going to go away in a couple of weeks. It's only good for bankers and meatpacking people. And I was like, it's not going to stick around. And I, I just was so off base about it. I didn't get my first email address till I was like 20 years old. Um, so, you, you know, our lives are not, are dissimilar in that way. Um, when you go out into the universe, right? You're out there shopping or whatever. People recognize you. They go, oh my gosh, hey, it's Felicia Day. What are they most, what is the project that they most refer to? Is it Supernatural or is it Mystery Probably. Science Theater 3000? 
you know, I I could tell you are MST. Um, you're oh. MST. Uh, no, yeah. it's not. It's not MST3K. Although I am very privileged to be on that show. Um, it's probably Supernatural or The Guild because if yeah. you you know The Guild got millions and millions and millions and millions of views, right? But it was not mainstream whatsoever. So it's always like baristas or somebody with a gamer shirt <laughs> or like the IT guy that you'd be like, oh, nice button up. You know, like yeah. those are the people who recognize me. Or nowadays, because I've been in the business so long, it's a lot of women. Which is like the biggest compliment nice. because when I first started doing this, it was there were no women in, you know, at conventions mm-hmm. or at nerd culture or at the game store, you know? And now it's like a very big almost gender parody. Yeah. And I think it's wonderful because now we're just all gaming together. And I think, you know, that's something that's an ulterior motive of mine. Just like showing up and being who I am and representing in a sort of male biased area, just showing up is like, okay, we'll make room for you. Most of the time, a lot of the time you know, there'll be there. There's be some a holes, but you know, you just stand there and stand proud, and people will link arms with you, men and women, and be like, "No, they belong here," and that's what's beautiful about the last like 15 years. I and I think you're kind of a flag bearer for that. To be honest with you, I I, th- I think a lot of people look at you and they say, "Oh, well, she helped bridge that gap, right?" Or mm-hmm. she helped bring that into the fold. I think that's, in my opinion, something to be proud of, right? Um, yeah, I'm very proud of it. Let me talk to you because I am a misty. Let me talk to you about this recent I love this show. I love, love, love this show. I have loved it since the day that it came on Comedy Central. It is just an incredible, it's, it's just a simple idea with such incredible execution. And it's so fucking funny every single time that I watch an episode. Uh, were you a huge fan before you actually got the gig? Well, as, we, I, as I mentioned, my whole career is about spite. Yes. <laughs> so the reason that I got this job was that I saw Joel in a green room at a convention. I was like, I'm going to take a selfie and rub it in my brother's face uh-huh. with Joel. Because we used to watch MST3K together as kids. It's the one thing we ever agreed on on the television. He wanted to watch monster you know, truck racing. I wanted to watch Anastasia, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah. the yeah. miniseries. So, like, the one thing we'd agree on was kung fu movies and MS2K, and sometimes the combination thereof. And so, when I saw Joel, I was like, ha, 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 right. <laughs> we exchanged information, and he ended up, like, emailing me, hey, do you want to be in the show? And I was like, oh, Holy cameo. Shit. No, I want you to. Yeah. I was like, oh, I was trembling when he said, I want you to be a forester, because that's the bad guy at the show. Yeah. And I got to be, yeah. It's, it's whenever I hear his voice. In real life, I think, oh, I'm listening to a television show. That's how iconic Joel is for me. And, yeah, it's a great show. Me how too. Fun. I would freak out. It's uh, uh, just a little, like, you know, kind of fan question. Do you think uh, there's going to be a season 14? I know you're crowdfunding for it right now. Am I, am I mistaken? I th- Yeah, I think the crowdfunding, they missed their mark on the crowdfunding. But Joel said he's regrouping. And next year, he's going to go back and uh, try a different tactic and, like, kind of refigure uh, the show so that he can continue. And the wonderful thing is it's been going on for 30 years. Yeah. We did two crowdfunded years or one crowdfunded year, one year on Netflix, one year crowdfunding. And hopefully we'll be able to do another one, whether through distribution or another crowdfunding thing that's a little bit different. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited. And I hope to be part of the Misty World forever. But you can see all the episodes on either Tubi or 
Um, thegizmoplex.com is the website they built out. So go ahead and check it out because it is very, very funny. It, nice. If you have not seen Mystery Science Theater 3000 and you're a commercial break fan and you're a Felicia Day fan, you will love it because if, I don't even want to explain it. You just have to go watch it. But just know you're in good hands so with Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> Give it a chance. Very good. Drink some wine. <laughs> eat your edibles. Sit down. Relax. We'll watch a couple of the <laughs> <laughs> You made me spit. I made me spit <laughs> <laughs> I'm not suggesting you do drugs, but if you're going to do drugs, do them while you're watching Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> totally fine, man. Yeah. I'm in California. I remember when they legalized like weed here, yeah. and I was like, oh no, the neighborhood's going to go down. And I was like, it, it literally is not different. It's the same. Yeah. It's yeah. fine. It's, it's just you can just walk into the is. store and buy it, and you know, I'm, yep. I agree with it 1,000%. Georgia will be the last state, or maybe Mississippi, but Georgia will be one of the last oh, states to yeah. yeah, Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, they are, they are not tech-forward. Mississippi, I'll just yeah. tell you that. No. We love our I, Mississippi listen, That's where I was homeschooled. Yeah. That was one of the reasons why my mom didn't socialize us. We went to one homeschool meetup, and we were not religious, but the people who were in the Gulf Coast of Mississippi were very religious. Very. And I remember a girl wouldn't swing with me because she, she said that her—and this was like when I was nine years old. She was like, oh, I can't swing— my my skirt might go up and see, people might see my ankles. I'm oh my not god! Kidding. Oh. This little girl said that. Yes, god. so the ankles. Like, oh. the not ankles. our scene. Not our scene. <laughs> Ooh yeah. Chrissy's showing her ankles today in the studio, I and know. I got to tell you, I can barely control on. myself. Yeah. <laughs> I love that narrative. Men can't control themselves. Just control yourself. You'll be okay. Um, exactly. Let me you can do it, sir. I have a question. I have a question from our producer, who is a big fan of yours. Okay, here, here is the question. Her name is Christina, Christina. and Christina has Hi, Christina. to know. <laughs> Christina has to know, are you still into fanfic? What is your relationship with fanfic these days? You know, I, okay, uh, I do, I do love fanfic. I love it when people uh, write Take stories, because let's be honest, it's hard to write your own story. I have been delaying my own f- fictional novel, like, for years. Uh, yeah. I actually have I, – one day I'm going to – it's either next year or the year after or maybe the year after that. So I don't know. <laughs> There's a year when I'll get my crap together. Um, but I think fanfic is wonderful because it gives you uh, a world and some characters um, to play with and put together and build a story. And if that gives you confidence to start your own thing or that's the end-all, be-all – God bless you. You go with it. As, as somebody who's created worlds and stories and characters, to see other people take ownership of it to create their own little playground, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I am now really – I haven't read a lot of fanfic lately, but I've been reading Lit RPG, which is like this – it's basically a video game in novel form. And I read like three of these books a, a week. It's literally about Holy a person shit. power leveling. I know. I just it's an addiction. Yeah. I gotta write my own to deduct them all. They're so fun. <laughs> so anyway, that's my latest passion, Christina. Okay. And the the second question that Christina has, which don't blame me, it's coming from Christina. I'm just the messenger who also agrees to, to ask the question. So okay. tell us your story about hentai. You had a moment with hentai. <laughs> <laughs> she dug deep. <laughs> oh wow. Okay, hentai. Okay. So if you guys aren't familiar, hentai is Pornographic Japanese cartoon. I may or may Mom, not have seen hentai. I've seen it before. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's it's a little. And I, uh, it was years ago, and I was like, I'm going to spice up my relationship, and I'm going to get some of this because I love nerd things. I was like, mm-hmm. well, regular stuff doesn't do it for me. I think it's kind of you know not for me. Yeah. But let's. I, I so I ordered some hentai, and I I really like subgenres, so I ordered some nurse hentai. 
I ordered some teacher hentai, <laughs> and I ordered some weird monster tentacle stuff. Okay. Anyway, I pop it in, and the nurse one starts, and I'm like, hey. Yeah. yeah. And my partner's like, uh-uh, uh-uh. no way. <laughs> cartoon, cartoon nipples are not for me. So... <laughs> So anyway, I put them on the shelf. They weren't even played. Like, just the nurse one got half done, and we were like, okay, let's just watch British Baking Show or whatever. So <laughs> That's what got, turns me so, on like cupcakes. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. It's true. I agree. So I was cleaning my house out, and I was, like, getting rid of DVDs. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to get rid of this. And I kind of put them – I just threw them on top of a, bo- a box, and I closed the box, and I took it to Goodwill. And I didn't think the guy was going to open it. He's like, well, I got to go through this. And I'm like, what? And in horror, <laughs> All right, I see this 80-plus-year-old man open the top and see just nurse nipples, nurse animated nurse nipples. And he's like, oh. And I'm like, oh, oh. Sorry, oh, sir. I, I, uh, I didn't want those anymore, but I, I don't think this is appropriate. He's like, no, 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 don't worry, man. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll, I'll take, take it. it. I'll, from take, here. I'll check that out. I'll be the I'll judge of that. I'll take it from here. Do you have any <laughs> tentacle hentai? <laughs> That's what I saw. I, I, I'm like right below there. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I saw when I looked. We were doing, talking about hentai, and I was doing some research, like you know, <laughs> deep down in the web, and I saw this mm-hmm. tentacle hentai, and I was like, this is fucking intense. Like I don't even yeah, know if much. I could get into this. Yeah, it's way too much. It's <laughs> way too much. much. I was like, who? Not one for every orifice, sir. Thank you. No, thank you. I want before we let you go. I want to make sure you talk about a uh, cause that's the near and dear to your heart: yeah. the birds. Talk about the birds. Oh, yes, yes. I was so excited to, that you guys were from Atlanta. I heard the minute I logged on, I was like, "Oh, they're Southerners and yeah. they're from Atlanta." So I want to talk. I want to give a plug to a charity that is my passion lately. It is called Papa Yago Rescue House, and it is in Marietta, Georgia. And if you are a local Georgia person, please, uh, you know, either. If, if you could support them, that would be wonderful. But also, uh, they need volunteers, and it is a wonderful parrot rescue. They helped me out with my my grandmother had to go in assisted living, and she had a macaw. And unfortunately, no, we have a very small family, and nobody could take it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they helped me out. They uh, you could you could adopt this bird if you want. Oh wow! <laughs> but anyway, they they have adoptions, but also they have amazing education there. If you are a bird owner, they give lessons. Um, they also consult. They also will train you if you want to adopt a bird. They have parakeets. They have cockatoos. They have parrots, macaws, all of them. And, you know, these are very intelligent, long-lived uh, creatures. Yes. And they really need a lot of care. And unfortunately, you know, c- circumstances sometimes mm-hmm. uh, turn out that you can't. Or they find rescue birds, birds that got out, and they try to find their owner. They just, right. It is a local charity with so much heart and so much passion and love for these birds. So, you know, I just want to give Papa Yago Rescue House a big shout out in the Atlanta era. You can donate if you're from afar or they always also are always looking for volunteers. So you want to go volunteer, go do it. So, so if you're here in the plug. Yeah, if you're here in Georgia, uh, check them out. And I do have to say, I, I do think this is an important animal cause also because I think a lot of people get involved with birds and they may not, they think it's cool, they think it's interesting, they've got a bird, they've got a whatever. They don't realize, they don't realize that everything, everything that's, that's entailed. It's a lot like most domesticated mm-hmm. animals, cats and dogs and everybody else. They take them in three weeks later. They didn't realize they had to do so much work. It was very expensive or whatever the case. And then they leave them somewhere or they don't take care of them. And the truth of the yeah. matter is, is there are... There are too many people giving them back and not enough people yep. taking them away. And so it ends up being a sad thing for everybody involved. So get yourself educated and check out the uh, Papiago 
uh, bird rescue here yep, in Georgia. Bird rescue, yeah. If you get a chance, I mean, if you're thinking about if you're thinking about it as a bird, I like a friend of mine was like, I really want a horse. I'm like, go volunteer at a rescue and mm-hmm. spend some time with Smart. horses True. or birds and see if this is this is part of your lifestyle. If it fits, if you if the hard stuff is as fun as the fun stuff with an animal, mm-hmm. because you don't want to, and certainly don't buy an animal. Like there are many rescue yeah. places yes. that you can go and rescue any kind of animal. So mm-hmm. thank 1, you for letting me know that. I really percent. appreciate it. Of course, sure. and some of the by the way, some of these. Birds lived a hundred years old. Yeah, so they you live get a long them. Time. You need to have a succession plan for mm. the bird because the bird will probably outlive you. Yes. <laughs> yep, so. it's true. I mean, in my case too, and like I, I'm a lifelong supporter of Papayago, so but a lot of people can't do that. So yeah. at this at the end of the day, like I want to support people who do something well and do it with their whole heart. And like, yeah, that's this is this is the charity for it. So if you want a bird, go volunteer for a couple months first before you get the bird. And then you'll know what you're getting yourself into. And then you can either just get a bird (laughs) or you can just show up and volunteer and have the bird when you want the bird. You can get your bird. It's like babysitting. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. It's like grandparents. They get them, but they get to drop them back off at the end of the night. (laughs) Third Eye is available on Audible. Uh, It's getting a lot of praise. It has been very successful. I hope that our listeners go check it out. Um, you are a national treasure, Felicia Day. And Aww. to all nerds everywhere, you are uh, one of the best. And I really appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, thank you so much. What a pleasure. And oh, I, thank you. And I do and hope that you, you come back. thank you for you guys' story. Yeah, yeah you're I would welcome. love to come back. You have me come back any day. And also, you guys are hilarious and inspiring, and I am fully subscribed to everything you do. So thank you for having me. Felicia, we love you, and we say around here, best to you, my friend. Best to you, Felicia. (laughs) Yay. Look, I know you guys are getting really sick of me, but that is too bad. It's my job. Now, go to tcbpodcast.com for all of our audio and video content, and get your little booty over to youtube.com slash the commercial break for fully edited video episodes. Want to chat? Leave us a voicemail at 626-ASK-TCB3. Too embarrassed for your voice to be on the show? We understand. Text us instead at 855-TCB-8383. Can't even do that? No worries. Just follow us on TikTok at TCB Podcast and on Instagram at The Commercial Break. And if you can't even be seen doing that, just listen to these sponsors and let's get back to the show. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Wow. Felicia could not have been better if you had, I mean, I feel like it was a third member of the group. It was like a third member of the band just showing up. (laughs) That's right. And we had so much in common. And she's just so lovely. She's beautiful. And just beautiful inside and out. So intelligent, has done so much. Had we 300 episodes ago had guests of this caliber come in the door, <laughs> our whole lives might have changed. We had a, Our whole opinion on guesting might have changed. You know, know what I'm saying? We were so afraid of it. Yeah, we had, the, <laughs> we had the one guy that we never aired that came on. Comedian. Supposed comedian. He, yeah, we, we thought, thought it was a comedian. Yeah. And so there, here's, let me break the fourth wall for you just a little bit here. There is a, this is well known. You should know this. When someone goes on Jimmy Kimmel or Conan O'Brien or wherever they go, 
when they go on one of those shows and they're a comedian, the host, if he's good at his job or her, if she's good at her job, they will tee up material sure. so that that comedian can run over some familiar ground, tell some jokes and do what they're there to do right now. I understand Felicia's not a comedian, like, but that's not her job title. Right. But we had this guy on one time and I <laughs> and it get on was the, his job title. The, yeah, that was his job title. As a matter of fact, that's how he pitched himself to us. Like, you know, comedian extraordinaire. I had billions of views on all the social media platforms. Turned out to be not true. But anyway, regardless, that's shame on us for not doing our homework. <laughs> but we don't talk to the guests ahead of time. Usually we don't. We right. might say hi to them, you know, right before. As we do our own little coming. research. Yeah, we do our own little research and we have a bunch of people that help us do that. Christina mm-hmm. and Tina and Marianne, all the people you've heard about. But this guy comes on long before any of these people were involved in the show and long before we had anybody listening to the show. <laughs> he comes on and – but the day before, not really knowing what I'm doing, like I still don't right now, right. <laughs> I get on the phone with the guy and we have a long conversation. And I say, hey, listen, you know, I've just watched, you know, some of your stuff and let me tee up a couple of these for you. And he says, yeah, that's great. Let's do it that way. Okay, great. Let's keep it natural. Let's keep it organic. But I'll make sure I throw in a few questions that can lead to some of your more – you know, uh, famous material. I guess if you could call it that when right. people watch it. <laughs> I swear to God, TCB Universe, I swear. Chrissy was in the room with me. Yeah. It was the most uncomfortable thing that most uncomfortable conversation maybe I've ever <laughs> been involved in because I start asking him these questions to tee up his material and he goes from World War II to the Civil War in conversation. And it's not like he just briefly mentioned it as a joke. He was talking about it as if he was a historian for an hour yeah it wasn't funny there was nothing funny about it not a fucking thing funny we about to, it we had to endure too for a while oh my god and then we got done and we were like uh, uh bye yeah that's not gonna happen now the good the good news i forgot to press record so the great news was at least uh we we fucked up the technology so we actually couldn't run it but i'll tell you what that guy called me for months and he was like hey man i come back on and re-record that and i was like yeah Listen, uh, that's we're, okay. we're not doing guests yeah. right now. I think that's what started we're not doing guests, right. is I just didn't want to call that guy back, so I'm not going to have guests on. But Felicia is the exact opposite of that. So easy to talk to. All of our guests have been wonderful, but yeah. I feel like Felicia. One, here's my concern with Felicia when I initially, uh, when, when we get together and decide we're going to do this. My concern with Felicia is she is into so much of the nerdist culture, right? That's her whole thing. And she is very popular uh, in that culture i am not i'm a nerd in my own way like i'm a nerd when yep. it comes to like dr niles arden on tlc i can tell you every episode of my 600 pound <laughs> life right or i could tell you about my little the little little family or whatever i can tell you about that stuff i'm a nerd in my own way we all are in our own way about our own things but i'm not a gamer necessarily mm-hmm. i'm not necessarily into the nerd culture i'm into mst but that's you know an exception not the rule and so you get a little nervous that you may not you know, the be able conver- to talk the lingo. Yeah, you just you wouldn't be able to talk the lingo. I could not have been more wrong. Oh, we had so much other so stuff much to talk about. We didn't even get Felicia. to the fact that she had just been to Costa Rica. We have that our Costa Rica connection. Just like Steve-O. I wrote, you know, 26 bullet points down that I could like, you know, go over. And I got to three of yeah. them. I wrote 36 for Felicia. I think we got to four of them. So I guess we're doing better. Yeah. Every every time we'll try and get some more actual it's, research. It flows. That we've done. It flows. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for wasting your time, Tina and Christina. We appreciate it. Oh, so much fun. So go check out her Audible um, series. Her series mm-hmm. Seven hours long. 
It's a fantasy series. It's professionally voiced and acted, uh, voice acted, and uh, I know you're going to like it. I actually started to listen to it this morning, but I didn't get through much of it, so I'm going to I'll pick up where I left off because I want to hear the weird Al Yankovic part, yeah. <laughs> desperately. Uh, <laughs> so what? Just so wonderful. And Felicia has a website, Felicia.day. You can go there too and find out all about the things she's doing. I think she's doing like a Comic Con cruise coming oh, up to Cozumel. Have nice. you ever been to Cozumel? I have not been to Cozumel. You've not been to Cozumel? No. Which parts of Mexico have you been to? I have been to Cancun. Yeah. That was a uh, trip after high school, okay. which was a total debauchery, <laughs> as you can imagine. Um, and then I've been to uh, Playa. Playa del Carmen? Yeah, I think that's Is that Playa right. del Carmen? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know all the towns. I've been to Cozumel. <laughs> I've been to Cabo, Mexico City. Uh, I've been to both. I do want to go to Mexico City. I heard that that's beautiful. It's down there. absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. And when I was there, it was back in the '90s, and it wasn't quite. You know, Mexico wasn't quite as "quote unquote" dangerous as mm-hmm. some people might think it is now. But I actually think that Mexico City is a very metropolitan city. Mm-hmm. I, I tell you the story. I'll, I'll share this story real quick as I'm trying to convince you that Mexico's safe. <laughs> one of my dad's employees got kidnapped yeah, in Mexico City one that. time. So, freaking insane and they had like that whole kidnapping insurance and everything and they got him back God, they got him back he like disappeared from the hotel from the front of the hotel and he got dropped off at the front of the hotel in his underwear oh my god yeah not a thing on him except for his underwear disoriented not knowing where he was going and i guess they paid the ransom because the guy (laughs) got back or whatever uh but that's not you know that happens all around the world it's not just mexico Mm -hmm. but i loved mexico city i spent uh, a bit of time there i loved it I loved That's it, I loved it, loved it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was so wonderful. But I was also a teenager, and I think I just loved it because I could. <laughs> you could buy cigarettes. Drink. Drink. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, my dad leaves us. Listen, this is a story, funny story from Mexico. My dad brings us to the Nestle Hotel down there. It's like one of the big, nice hotels okay. in Mexico City. But he's there for business, and we're just traveling along with him for this long business trip that he has in Mexico, going to different places. So we're in Mexico City for a while. Kevin and I are kind of bored. It's Kevin and I. We're kind of bored. And so my dad says, listen. I got a guy. He's going to come pick you up in the lobby. He's going to take you to go do some sightseeing stuff. You guys want to go to the pyramids? I'll take you to the pyramids. Whatever you want to do. I got business meetings. I'll be back tonight. So I'm giving you some money. Be good and uh, wait down in the lobby for this guy. That was nice of your so dad. This guy shows up and he looks like the world's most interesting man. And I don't mean he looks like the world's most interesting man. He looks like the guy who plays, plays the world's yeah. most interesting man. <laughs> the gray right? hair and yes. the suave oh, debonair. Yes. He brings us into his Cadillac DeVille, right? <laughs> The long, big, long, old Cadillacs, mm-hmm. and he's got the little, um, like the little, I don't even know what you call them, the dangly things, that yeah. are, the little balls, right. the fuzz balls <laughs> that are hanging, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's got those things in his car, but otherwise the car is like a limousine, except for these dangly things that are running around the entire thing. <laughs> and so he's letting us smoke back there. He's, you know, he's joking <laughs> with us. We're smoking cigarettes. We're yeah, laughing it up with this guy. Hey, man, I'll tell you what, why don't I take you to one of Mexico City's most wonderful places and we're like yeah take us there and he's like and i go what is it one of the pyramids don't you worry you'll know when you get there okay pull up in this cadillac deville this old dusty road in the middle of the fucking desert (laughs) and there's like a shack in the middle of the desert right we go in there it is an agave plant a tequila plant and they are making tequila there and they have a tequila tasting table but the table is not where, like, a bartender is setting up there pouring you a little nip of the tequila. It's just shots of tequila hanging yeah. out ready for you to take. <laughs> a basket of limes, a plate with salt, and hundreds 
of shots Your of tequila. teenage fantasy. Well, I, I'm not a big drinker, so I don't, yeah. like, I didn't drink as a teenager, really. But I took a shot, right? Well, Kevin gets into it. He's yeah. like, yeah, wow, <laughs> da, da. He's like going shot for shot with the world's most interesting <laughs> man. The guy drives a Cadillac DeVille. You're not going to outdrink him. And <laughs> right. so Kevin does this. Then the next stop is the pyramids, like the sun pyramid and the moon pyramid, yeah. you know, the Ra and Re and whatever that stuff is. So <laughs> right. you can climb up this, but it is like at a 90 degree angle. You have to literally climb Those like a steep. ladder. I've yes. seen them, yeah. And people don't make it up there mm-hmm. and some people fall sometimes. So Kevin and I managed to make our way up to the top of the sun god pyramid <laughs> and Kevin is fucking hammered. I think he threw up on the top of the pyramid oh, if I'm being sure. honest. Yeah. <laughs> Adding more to the lure of the Americans. Don't know how right. to travel. Right. <laughs> so on the top of the pyramid, I'm wearing this belt, right? I got a belt, jeans on, whatever I'm wearing. I'm sure, actually, I'm sure I'm wearing my blue Doc Martens <laughs> with my baggy jeans. So I get up to the top of this pyramid, and there's a guy standing there, and he goes, Hey, man, how much for the belt? And I go, What? How much for the belt? He liked your belt. He liked my belt. And I said, I'm not selling my belt. But he had these trinkets. He had like a clay sun god and a moon god. Right? These two clay trinkets, probably worth collective 30 cents. <laughs> and I go, but I really like those two trinkets that you got there on your, he's like, like a blanket out or whatever. And I was like, but I like those two trinkets. I give you the trinkets for the belt. And I was like, oh, really? And he was like, yeah. So the entire trip, I only brought one belt. My pants are falling <laughs> off every time we go somewhere. But my you pants had your are falling trinkets. off. Yes. My dad had to buy me a belt <laughs> downstairs in the lobby because yeah. Brian decided he was going to give his away. Minimal trade. Oh, you know, <laughs> listen, I can't be. I can't be the world's most interesting man because I don't know how to behave. <laughs> I love that they were selling trinkets at the top of this famous exactly, pyramid. I mean, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, you know. They sell trinkets at our most famous places too, like Walt Disney World they and do. you know, mm-hmm. Washington DC. Like you don't know any of those monuments? There's some <laughs> idiot there selling a t-shirt of some kind. That's true. Yeah, but in 2023 you got to be careful about which t-shirt you buy, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to <laughs> give the wrong message or end up at the wrong protest. Right. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Thanks so much to Felicia Day for coming yeah. on the commercial break. We just had an absolute blast. We She's will fun. have her back. There's no yeah. doubt about that. If she comes in April, if we can find a way to put a third chair here, maybe we do that. Let's do that. Maybe we just bring her here to my you know, one-story double-wide trailer. <laughs> my daughter's, what should be my daughter's room. One of my daughters. Uh, so thanks to Felicia Day. Go to her website, Felicia.Day. Please check out her Audible series, The Third Eye. And once you get done doing all that, go to our website, TCBpodcast.com. More information about Chrissy and I, the show. Uh, you're going to like it. Go to the website. It's a great website. We paid a lot of money for it, so please go visit it. <laughs> uh, all the audio, all the video, and you can get your new Piggy Fronting sticker by hitting the Contact Us button. Click the drop-down menu. It says, I want my sticker. Give us your physical address. If you want us to sign it or something, please let us know so that we can do that for you. Uh, and when you get done doing all of that, give us a text message. 626-ASK-TCB, the number three. one 626 tcb the number three. Questions, comments, concerns, content ideas. Ask Brian's mom. Ask TCB. <laughs> ask anybody anything. You could just go ahead and shoot it off to us. We would love to hear from you. And you can leave us a voicemail there, too. But if you leave that voicemail, just be aware that we may use your voice on the show. And that makes you be mindful of what you say. You know what I'm saying, Chrissy? Because <laughs> I actually have one really good voicemail. 
But then she called back like five minutes later, left another voicemail and said, please don't run that voicemail oh. because she gave some identifying information. Oh, okay. And I'm so bummed out because I really like the voicemail. Oh, whatever. Anyway, and you, you get the point. Add the commercial break on the ever-growing Instagram. Uh, Veer Das. We had almost a million views on that Veer Das reel. It's crazy. It's wild. So add the commercial break on Instagram, TCB Podcast on TikTok, and YouTube.com slash the commercial break. The Felicia Day interview will be up there, so go check it out. All right, Chrissy, I guess that's all I can do for today. I think so. But I'll tell you that I love you. I love you. Best to you. And best to you. And best to you out there in the podcast universe. Until next time, Chrissy and I do say, we always say, and we must say, Goodbye. goodbye.